connected, Misty. For all of you that are watching online, we're just having some technical difficulties. We'll get going here in just a second. Uh, you guys can all be turning to um, the book of Luke, chapter 14. Well, we'll figure it out. That's fine. We'll just let everybody we'll apologize and Amen. repent and just tell them we'll, we'll catch them. <laughs> we'll catch them on the next run. I actually meant to say this before the kids left that, um, you know, when a lot of times what we'll, you know, I do it. I don't want to say we'll do it. I do it. And sometimes I don't even think about what I'm doing when I do it we say that Jesus has everything that we need and that's true he does have everything that we need Amen. saying that though embodies a lot and then when I say it I'm embarrassed of the times that I've devalued it just simply because I didn't say it from the heart I just said it from my mind I just simply spit the phrase out because it fit the moment and it felt good for the time that I said it but when you really sit back and, and you meditate and when I say meditate it's something that you really chew on he has Jesus has everything we need amen when you say that you can do a you can do your own personal sermon within yourself just off that he has everything that we need he is all sufficient there's nothing that exists outside of him that we have to have other than him. There's nothing. We only need him. That's encouraging on one part, and it's reassuring on another. I can go to him, and no matter if I'm depressed or if I'm broken or if I'm uh, lacking something, everything that we have to have or that we need in order to function on this planet is all within him. And that's in the physical sense, but mostly that embodies the spiritual sense of him being our savior and the one that we go to and repent to of the things that we've done. Um, that's, uh, I was listening to a minister today on uh, 1003. Um, I don't know the name of the station. I just know that when I turn it on in the morning, there's ministers on there, and I'll listen to some of those ministers. And um, I, I heard one of them talking about that salvation in a lot of, in, a, in different places, not everywhere, but in a, in a lot of different places, has been, been reduced to Christ is the one that we go to to have a reassurance of what's going to happen in the afterlife, but yet we spit in his face for the rest of the time that we're here with this kind of idea that he's given us this really great insurance plan and that he's going to back us up when this thing is over with. And that's just simply not true. And I really got on board with what he was saying. And he was talking about how we're supposed to be living. And he was covering some scriptures and, and things of that nature. But everything that we need is in him. And so at times I have to kind of stop and put the brakes on and think about the things that, that I need. And, and not that I want, but that I need. And... I, at, at times, shamefully, I have taken the needs and I've pushed them to the side and I've let my wants supersede my needs. 
that reflects in my prayer life at times. And I'm getting up from my knees at times thinking about what I prayed about and then going back to my knees wondering, how in the world did you forget that? How in the world did you forget to pray for healing and, and, and for the furtherment of the Spirit and, and not to, to, to take it to the enemy in prayer and to bind up the enemy forces? Why am I praying about all this other stuff over here? God is the... He, Jesus is the all-sufficient one. I'm coming to him, and then, and then what am I doing? A lot of times I'm bringing my wants. Almost like at times I think we bring a wish list, like it's Christmas time or something, and we've got this thing, we're checking them off as we go down there. God, he does, he gives us the desires of our hearts, but I'm so scared to use that so loosely. And I'm so scared to just throw that out there and say, oh, he give you, gives you the desires of your heart, but forget that he is a need meter. That's what he does. And if you've got something that you need, he can meet the need. He will meet the need. As a matter of fact, he'll make it a point to go right to the root of it and get it taken care of. That's him. That's him. That's the God that I serve. Um, you've heard me say many times, I, I don't, uh, we don't, we don't serve a God that kicks out blessings just just kick out blessings like a machine. He is a living God. And he's listening to everything that we're talking about tonight. I, I go down the road. I drive a lot. And I think about the thoughts that go through my head. And I wonder sometimes, are my thoughts honoring the Lord? Do my thoughts honor him? Because he knows, he knows everything that's going on in this head of mine. And sometimes I have to draw back and think, man, I sure wasted a good portion of my day worrying and thinking on things that have absolutely no substance to my life whatsoever. God, forgive me. Help me to meditate on you. You're the, you're the all-sufficient one. So I said to turn to um, uh, Luke chapter 14 tonight. I asked you to do it, and I'm not even there yet. So let me get there. Very familiar set of scriptures. And I'm just going to begin to read from uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And at the title of the, uh, at the top there, I have the prodigal son. Very familiar story. And he said, in verse 11, and he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided them unto his living, which was kind of typical of the day. And they, they kind of had a, a system uh, by law that certain goods, basically the inheritance, was to be passed on to uh, certain of the, the younger uh, of the, the children, and that was divided accordingly. Well, so according to uh, the, the story of the prodigal son, one that's very familiar to us, we find here in verse 12 that he, he comes and he says, uh, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me, and he divided it unto them his living. So he said, all right. He, he came to his dad and he said, he said, I want everything that's mine. Give me everything that's, that's due to me. Now, in most cases, this didn't happen this way. Most of the time, this was passed on just simply through uh, uh, passing and through the, through the aging of, of the father. And when it came a particular time, then they would pass these goods on. But he's actually coming and demanding this. He's saying, I want mine. Give me mine. Which kind of reflects a, a very particular attitude. Um, if you really look into that and the way that he's asking for these things, and it's a lot like the, the society and the world that we live in today. Everybody always wants something. 
And I'm not necessarily saying that want is bad, but when the want switch is always turned on, it has a tendency to cause us to do and think differently about life. You know, I mean, let me go back to to the prayers for just a second. I I said sometimes I've been embarrassed of my prayers, and I have been. Sometimes I, I look back and I think, that whole prayer session was just about what I wanted. Well, Tanner, didn't you want healing and didn't you want things for people? Yeah, but I didn't pray that. The prayer time was mostly centered around me. And it's like me going to God and saying, hey, you're the blessing giver. Give me what's mine. You got, they say that you got everything. Give, give me some of this piece of the pie. Give me, let me get the good out of life. There's a lot of life to live. A lot of life to live. And you spend any time in this, in this culture, you find out really fast that, that we're really um, geared towards things. We, we do. We have this thing about things. And once again, it's not necessarily an issue But when you turn that switch on and you never shut it off, it has a tendency to get in the way of everything else. Much like what we're seeing here with the prodigal son, uh, there's not necessarily a reason for him to be approaching him with this kind of request. He's just saying, look, I want what's mine. He's got this idea about what he wants to go do with what's his. Give me mine. You guys can go and do whatever you want with what's left. Let me have mine, and let me go do mine. One thing that uh, I want to say this, and then we'll move on. One thing that I've seen our society fall into is a very individualistic and individuality society. And what I mean by that is is that when there was once uh, thriving groups, and I want to, and I'll, and I'll give you an example here in just a minute. There was thriving groups. Those groups have been broken down into smaller groups, and those smaller groups have been broken down even further into individuals. Now, let's go back 50 years, and let's look at the church. The church as a group was much different than it is now. They were more group-oriented, and there was a lot of strength that was derived from the group. And so as time went on, the group got broken down, either due to, to the different views or different thoughts or different opinions or whatever it was, but the, the, uh, the group got broken down and it became more individualistic. It became more about, I've got to hang in there. And instead of coming to brothers and sisters for help, it, a lot of times it's looked at like, I got to keep my composure to keep you from finding out. That makes sense. See how you see the shift? The shift is different. It's changed. Now, once the group was empowered with let's help each other and let's go to each other if we need help, but now it's more like I'm gonna try to hide everything and make sure you never find out. So the smile on my face looks authentic. I'm not saying that anyone's doing that, and not anybody that's watching tonight online. I'm simply saying if you just do just a small history check. Just go back 50 years. And then it always poses the question. It's, it's something that I've, I've looked into personally. I've actually done a bit of history looking at it and asking my question, what happened? And why did that happen that way? And then what we've seen is, is that it began to break down and people became more about themselves. 
more about I'm going to get whatever I can and I'm going to get going. And if you are able to get anything from the leftovers, great. Get them. But I don't really care after, I'm, after I get mine. That is the attitude of a lot of people in society today. And sadly, we, we can't just say that that hasn't crept into the church because it has. It has. It, it's, it's crept into the church little by little over time where it's more individualistic. Now, if you look biblically, we know that the church garners a lot of it. You say, well, the church garners its strength from God, Tanner. The church garners its strength from Jesus. Absolutely. But that's at the very head. Jesus is what of the church? He's the head. Who's the body? You and me. So if the, the head is, it's a permanent fixture, though. You understand that Jesus as the head is a permanent fixture. He doesn't change. But the body itself, it can either be strengthened or it can become weak. But the head doesn't change. The head is always Christ and always will be Christ. And so, but the strength of the body, well, that depends on you and me. That's up to us. And so there's a lot in what our prodigal son here is saying when he says, give me my goods and, and give me what's mine. In verse 13, he says, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. He left. He got out of there. I'm going to go away. I'm going to get away. And there wasted his substance on riotous living. So I wanted to make sure I understood what riotous living was. So I looked that up. And I was like, yeah, it's exactly what I thought it was. It's, it's just kind of wild, crazy living. He's out there and he, he got all of what was given to him. And obviously that's going to turn into monetary gain, financial gain. And he went out and he blew it on wild living, crazy living. He's going out and having some fun. And... Um, I heard, uh, I've heard this phrase a couple times uh, to people who are frugal or who are uh, not willing, you know, not, they don't want to go out there and do all the crazy stuff. And they'll say, hey, you need to live a little bit. You ever heard that phrase before? Hey, you need to live a little. That's exactly the advice that this guy took. He's going to go live a little. You're going to go out and have some fun. You're going to go spend up some of that, some of that money. And go, uh, and go do something a little bit different. And it says in verse, verse 14, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. So there was a, there's an unpredictable here. And the unpredictable is this, is that individuality is great until chaos hits. That's fine and dandy. You want to be on your own? You want to do all your own thing? And, and then all of a sudden, things go south. And that's exactly what happened here. Things went south. Famine hits the land as a whole. And so the story goes is that now that the famine hits the land, and then, then what comes next? Because all of the stuff that he had is gone now. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing there to sustain him as far as the financial side of it. But that's not just it, though. Because not only are we missing the money now, but we're missing the thing that he drew the strength from at the very beginning, which was the group, the family. Now that's gone. So he's kind of left without. He's just kind of stuck in this situation, and it says that, that he was in one. Now that means numerous things if you actually look that up, and it actually uh, pertains to starvation. He was hungry. <laughs> I mean... Why, I mean, I think about it. Why, why wouldn't he? There's a famine. There's no food anywhere. And the people that were prepared 
knew how to get through it. But he had already taken everything that he could have used for being prepared, and now that's all gone now. So let's, let's look at kind of what happens here. Um, he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Now, when it says it joined himself to the citizen, what that means is he literally begged to be doing something that might get some food in his stomach. That's what joined means. So when it says joined, you can kind of imagine, I don't know if he was on his knees or, or how that all looked, but when you look at that word joined in the Greek, it literally means begged. He begged for something, anything. So he's come a long way, wouldn't you say? I mean, let's, let's not look at it necessarily from the perspective of, okay, he had some money and then he blew it and then he kind of fell down. Look at it like this. Look at the support system and everything that he had. He went from that to nothing, to begging. I need something. And so this is what happened. He went and joined himself to the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Well, the job was to go and feed the pigs. And that was actually a pretty lowly job of the time. That was pretty, it was, you could almost say it was borderline pathetic. It's just not a desirable thing to do. So he joins himself, he begs this man, and this man says, okay, I'll tell you what. If you'll go feed the pigs, you can eat what they're eating. And that's all I got. And what does he do? He takes it. He ain't got him left. I mean, he's 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 got nothing. And so something happens here, though. Some something changes. This whole thing changes. I mean, he's he's kind of you know obviously you know the, the story of the product of the son. He's at the bottom here, and and like like all great examples, you got to hit the bottom to start figuring things out, right? Well, let's look at kind of how it went. And he said, um, and when he came to himself, he said, "How many hired servants of my father's?" have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Now, I want you to back up there to the very beginning of 17, and it says, and when he came to himself. Uh -huh. That's what it says. It says, when he came to himself. I tell you what, today there's a lot of people that need to come to themselves. Amen. Need to come to themselves. And what come to yourself actually means here is a portion of sensibility. Sensibility. You could even go as far as saying common sense. You could say, he all of a sudden, he's sitting there, he's feeding the pigs, he's eating the pig's food, he's in the mud, he's in the muck and the mire, he's got no place to stay, and all of a sudden, common sense, he's seen right between the eyes. I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do. And he said... How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? There's something here uh, to be said about the way the scripture ends, because he said th th there was a motivating factor here. Now, of course, he understands as a whole, I probably shouldn't have left. Probably shouldn't have left all that. But remember, we're in a famine. 
And so at the very end of what he says, he goes, he goes, I'm thinking about my father's house and I'm thinking about the servants and what they were doing. They had bread and bunches of leftovers. And here I am out here and I'm the son who, was, who had more of a portion than anybody. And I would imagine that he would have had better portions to eat. He says, I'm out here and I'm about to die from hunger. I'm about to die. Now, this is what he says here. He, changed, he switches gears. He says, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I want to stop right there because I want to, I want to point something out. You'll, you'll notice he is reciting what he is going to say. He's reciting this. This is something that's beginning to pour out of his heart. Why? Because he's come to his senses. Common sense is hitting. And if there's, if there's something I want you to, to take from tonight's uh, lesson, it's this. Hunger always determines direction. Hunger always determines direction. Now, let me tell you what I mean. First, let me talk about it from a physical standpoint. Some of you noticed I, I brought in an apple tonight. Now, let me ask, how many of you like apples? Apples, good. Okay, everybody likes apples. How many of you, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I like apples, but just sometimes. You know, it's kind of one of them things. But what's interesting about food is that when your body goes without and when it begins to get hungry, there's a physiological change that begins to take place. Blood sugar, things start happening. The brain starts turning on certain neurons and it starts sending uh, uh, signals to receptors and they start sending out. And everything that is going on in your brain as far as your daily checklist begins to get put to the side. Your body is geared when it gets hungry to zero everything else out of importance until you eat. Until you eat. Now, you may have obeyed the command so often and so much throughout your life that we don't even realize that's happening. And especially in our culture, we've almost got it down to time frames. We just say, okay, 8 o'clock is breakfast, 12 o'clock is lunch, 7 o'clock is dinner. And... A lot of times we don't really pay attention, but if you go without one of those time frames, does your body let you know? He does. He lets you say, hey, I'm hungry. And, and so all of these things, these, uh, these lights start coming on inside of us saying, hey, you need to stop doing what you're doing and go take care of the hunger. Now, what I always thought was so interesting is, is I just got done eating some golden chick from, <laughs> from sulfur. Yes, I like golden chick. Golden chick's pretty good. Now, if you were to ask me if I wanted this apple now, I would say, eh, not really. Had you asked me before I ate that large meal, I said, man, that apple sure does look good. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Food takes on a different look when you're hungry. Why is that? Well, because your body is, is gearing you so you'll take the food. You know, and they always say, don't ever go grocery shopping after you go out to eat. Why? Because you won't pick anything. You're hungry. You're full. All of those, those things when you're looking at, you're like, nah, I really don't want that. I really don't want that. Then you get home and you realize you just got a couple things. You didn't really get everything you, you were really wanting to get. Let me translate this for you. Remember, remember hunger determines direction. Spiritual hunger is the same way. Let me ask you a guilty question. 
Have you ever been hungry and went and grabbed that, that nasty old greasy bag of chips and you, you just threw them down? Why? Because you was hungry. You just fed the, you just wanted to feed the hunger. And when it was over with, you're like, oh, kind of made you feel sick to your stomach. You're like, I shouldn't have eaten that. Everyone in here has done that at one time or another. And, and you're like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have eaten that. You see, spiritually, it's much the same way. See, hunger determines direction. and also determines that in the spiritual realm, too. And what you are hungry for spiritually is what you're going to get. What you're hungry for is what you're going to get. You see, I look at hunger a lot the same way as I do with faith. See, faith has been given. We've all been given a measure of faith, right? And we also have the potential to misplace faith. You have the, the potential to take your faith and put it in something that doesn't belong in. And I look at hunger the same way. We've all been given a spiritual hunger, but sometimes we eat things that are not good for us. Sometimes we try to fill the void of hunger and try to satisfy the hunger with something else. And if we're not careful, we'll fashion our spiritual diets around something that just gets the job done and gets us from day to day. And remember, remember that. Hunger. Hunger determines direction. You're going to go in the direction of what you're hungry for. Uh, how many of you have drove some distances? Let's say, how many of you have, have drove over 30 miles to go out to eat somewhere? Absolutely. I probably, I don't want to say who, who drove over 100. Maybe somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I drove quite a ways. And so why do we do that, though? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm putting this in a physical sense because I want you to understand this. You say, well, it's because the food is really good there. It's fantastic. I love to go there, and I love to eat, and they have, they have great food, and they have great service. They have all these great things, and we don't mind obeying that, and then we'll go and go do it. And thank God for the opportunity that we even have the freedom to be able to do that. But here's the thing. You go after that, and you'll make the sacrifice to do it because that's what you're hungry for. That's what you want. You follow that hunger, and it takes you there. You don't want McDonald's. You want the good stuff. And so you, you cut ties with whatever's going on in your town, and you're like, hey, we're going to Smoking Joe's, and we're going out here to Red Lobster. We're going to travel, and I don't care if it takes the rest of the day. We're going to get out there. We're going to have a good meal. See, spiritually, that's the same way. Hunger determines direction. You know, if you're hungry, if your hunger is placed in the right, in the right, in the right place, and you're hungry for the Lord, you're going to get what it is that you're actually looking for. The risk is, is that we're putting something in place of Christ that's a counterfeit that just makes you feel like you got something, but it ain't really what you're looking for. Come on. It's not really what you were wanting. And the way that the Lord explained this to me is that this is something that it's not necessarily a month-to-month -month thing or you just all of a sudden change the way that you do it and all of a sudden your life just changes dramatically. The thing is is that we, we've at times it's become so subtle and it just kind of creeps in. It's, it's no different than... Uh, there, was, there was a time in, in my own life that I had just completely banned Coke for my life. No caffeine products whatsoever. I, I just completely, but it hurt me. It hurt me physically. So I had, to, I had to uproot them and get them out. So I was good for like a year. And then, then I'll tell you what happened. I had a taste. I had a taste. And it slowly began to come back into my life again. And it slowly permeated and it slowly began to be something that, oh, you know, I'd like to have that every day. And now I'd like to have it twice a day. You see, you, 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 some of you know what I'm talking about. You see, church, the same thing happens to us spiritually. 
spiritually when we allow something to come in to take over the hunger that we should be giving to God and we're hungry for something else. And see, this goes on a lot of different levels. This is, this is for our time. This is for our dedication. This is for our, the, the heart devotion. There's only so much of your heart that you can give away. Do you understand that? There's only so much you can give away. And this is why we serve a jealous God. This is why we serve a jealous God. He said, all your attention should be mine. I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He has full right to say that. I mean, he created me. Uh, from what I understand, from the dust of the earth. Yeah, I was born through the womb, but we know where this all started. This started with Adam and Eve and this creation process. And then when I go back and I think about all that he's done for me and where I came from, I owe, I owe him everything. I owe him everything. Amen. And so when he says I'm a jealous God, I get it. He has every right to be. And I should be ashamed of who I'm sharing my heart with. Who I'm giving my hunger out to. Because you're going to satisfy that hunger. We all have a hunger. I, I've heard a lot of testimony. This, this didn't happen to me directly. But I've heard, heard a lot of testimony about people uh, when they got saved and, and what that was like. And they said, you know, I come to the Lord and he, he filled me up and I never realized how much I needed him. I just absolutely needed him. I, I, I had to have him every waking moment after that. And, and the way that they... They, they make it sound as they had come from a place where they fully understood what it was like to hunger for something else. They said, I was, I was doing all these other things, and I wanted all these things, and when I found him, all of a sudden the hunger shifted. It changed. Now I want him, and I only want him. And so here's the danger, and I want to spend just a moment on this. Here's the danger of being religious. Here's the danger. Here's the danger of being in the church for 30, 20, 15 years. Here's the danger of being what we would call matured. Here's the danger with that. We can get in a rhythm where we can start sharing a hunger with other things. And that we, we was once hungry for the things of God. We was once hungry to, to have God closer in our lives, but we're not so hungry with that anymore because now we've accepted some other things. We brought some things in. And let me say this. It's not even necessarily sin. It's not even necessarily some blatant thing that we've went out and we've done that we're ashamed of. It's not even necessarily that. We've just lost the hunger. Come on. And there's just not any hunger anymore. We just don't have the desire to eat that anymore. We just, I don't want it. I just don't want to do that anymore. And so when I look at the scriptures, and I'm going to take you some here in just a minute, that should bother us. Just a, just a little bit. Actually, it should bother us quite a bit. If we're hungry for something other than God, I'm not talking about another God. I am talking about taking God and shuffling him around in the Rolodex of our heart and just throwing him in with everything else. And that, that just can't work. That just cannot work with the, the, the living God that we serve. And so um, this is what he's always reciting. The way I said he was reciting these things. Verse um, 18, he says, I will arise and I'll go to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. What a thing to say. What a breaking point. Think about what he's saying. Think about what he said before. He was like, you know, I want all my stuff. You know, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go and do my thing. And now he says he's hungry and he's starving. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. He said, I'll be a servant. I'll be a servant. That's fine by me. Just let me come back home. Think about this. All right. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I can tell you right now, that makes me want to tear up. <laughs> because that's exactly the way that the father treats you and me. That's the way he has treated us many times. He's come running. He falls and he kisses his neck. Now, this is the thing that got me. And I'm just juggling these things around in my head. I'm pretty sure this is not what the son expected. I mean, as far as expectations are concerned, mm -hmm. being met with the one that you demanded your goods from and then left them, is probably not the response that he was expecting to get. Was his father to run to him, grab him, and pull him in, and kiss his neck. Do, can we agree that he'd done his father wrong? Yes. Can we agree that we've done our father wrong? Absolutely. So this is what happens. And he fell on his neck and he kissed him. In verse 21, he begins the very thing that he said he was going to do. Now watch. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. Whoa. We didn't see that coming. He didn't see that coming. But I noticed something. I noticed something here. And I, and I, and I, I really did. I medita actually meditated on this for a couple days. I mulled this thing around in my truck and, and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. Did you notice that he actually didn't get all the words out of his mouth that he said he was going to say? Did you notice that? When he got down to that part, that he said, and the father says to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Now, this is what, this is what, as I'm going, I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's a, not a typo. I don't want to say that. It's not, there's no typos in the Bible. Maybe they just generalized it and, and just kind of put that part of it out. I don't think so. See, the Holy Spirit, he, he puts things in that are supposed to be in there, and he takes things out that are supposed to be out. So this is. This is the what I got from this. That I can, I can see him telling his father this right here. I can see him coming to him. And his father comes to him and kisses him on the neck. And he's like, okay. And this is what I was going to say to my father. Remember the recited line because he repeats it word for word. And his son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And am no more worthy to be called your son. The next thing out of his mouth is supposed to be, I want to be a servant. And guess what his father does? He interrupts him. No son of mine will be a servant. Now, he didn't say that. It's not in the Bible. But what does God do to you and me? He's like, I'm not worthy. He says, you're my son. You're my daughter. Get up. Amen. Come on. Get up. There's a reason why this was not said. There's a reason why this was omitted. Because I believe the father quickly jumped in and said, go get the calf. Go get the ring. Go get the robe. Put it on him. Let's go. We're going we're, we're gonna to rejoice. He didn't even let him get to the point 
or he wanted to be reduced to a servant. You know why? Because it was never going to happen in his house. And that's exactly the way the father feels about you and me. He said, no, not in my house. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're going to be exactly where I want you to be. And here's the thing, though. And we, we can't get away from this. And I'll, and I'll finish this up here in just a minute. We cannot get away from hunger determining the direction. You see, you know, <clears throat> it was easy when he was there at the father's house in the early days because it had become easy. He took that as the norm, having the extra bread and having all the goods of life and having the support system and the group and having all these things. It just become normal. I mean, that's just what life was. And then he said, you know what? I'm, I want my stuff. I don't know. I, they they could have been fairly wealthy. I want my portion. Let me go, and I'm going to go live my life the way I want to live it. And then when he really actually got out there, he realized how bad it can really get and how bad life can really be. He said, ah, this is not going to be good. I have got to go back. I've got to go back. Hunger determines the direction. Your hunger in life will take you to wherever you're supposed to go. But it depends on what you're hungry for. It will depend on what you're hungry for. You know, my, my old stomach, you know, when you see that, when you see that cake, you're like, oh, that's good. That's good stuff. But you know what? Here's the thing about cake. It can't ever become your meal, can it? Some people have allowed the cakes to become the meal in the spiritual sense. There's no, there's, there's, it's great, it's sweet, tastes fantastic, but there ain't a bit of nutrition in it. And it's not going to sustain you. It's not going to keep you. You see, God is the one that wants all of our attention. He wants all of our time. And, and where our hunger is at, he said, I, that's where I want to be. I want you to be hungry for me. Now I want you to be hungry for a relationship with me. And, and not just getting a piece of me, not just getting a, a, a slice of the apple. Uh, I want you to, to want to have a relationship with me. And that's always something that echoes with me in, in, as far as what I've been taught as a person over the years is, is that I don't focus so much on all of the other things that come with God. I just focus on him. And I have found that if you give him the attention and you love him and you spend time with him and you fellowship with him and talk with him, then all of a sudden everything else begins to take its place. Some people like to debate. Well, they'll debate gifts of the spirit. Should we be doing this or should we be doing that? And how do, what about this and what about that? The only thing I can tell you is, is the best way to hash that out, is get as close to God as you possibly can, and I'll bet you anything he hashes it out for you. Mm -hmm. Amen. I'll bet you it just all falls into place. We've, ta we've taken God and we've moved the relationship and the hunger for a relationship out of the picture. Many people have. I'm not saying anyone here has. I'm saying they removed it out of the picture. And we've commoditized all of the attributes of God. And we've put them in categories. And we say, well, we got a ministry for this, and we've got a ministry for that, and we do this, and we do that, and we do all these things. And those are all great, and those are all fine, and ministries are fantastic. But if you stop loving the Father, and he stops becoming your main hunger, then where does that leave your ministry? What does it matter if we're feeding the poor and doing all these great things if we actually don't love him first. Yeah, amen. I didn't say those things were bad. Those are great. Yeah. But if we're going to talk about ministry and we're going to talk about doing things for God, then he has to be first, doesn't he? Amen. I mean, it only makes sense that he needs to be first. Um, I'm reminded of, of something 
Um, I'll tell you something else that I've been really meditating on a lot these last couple of days is heaven and hell. <laughs> You've probably heard me say that because that always, it always is something I'm rolling around in here, and I'm always thinking about heaven and hell, and I'm always thinking about the qualifying things that take a person to heaven, and I'm thinking about the things that take a person to hell, and those things mean a lot to me because I only get one chance in life. So you could say that the judgment of God keeps me at a place in my life that I really respect and honor what's coming in the afterlife. I mean, like on a real serious note, in a serious level. Sometimes I lay there at night and I think, Lord, if there be anything in my life, show it to me because I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. And I don't, I don't play around with this kind of stuff. And some people would say, you're a little bit overdone. You should have confidence. But if you look in the word of God and you look at the things that he's asked us to do and, and he's told us to be involved in and, and to make sure that we're making our life clean and, and that we're living in righteousness and we're doing these things, it's not something that you can just easily just pass off. That bothers me to pass off righteousness. And just say, well, I said I repented of my sin a couple years ago. I'm saved. Therefore, if I die, I'm good to go. Uh, remember, it's not an insurance policy. We have got to consider the full life of God and the full relationship of God and everything that comes with him. So um, let's finish this up. In verse 24. For this was my uh, this my son was dead, and as alive again he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and you know the rest of the story. And there's 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 I could make some more points, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right there because I want to jump quickly. If you would just just go with me quickly to Matthew, uh, chapter five. Another a really familiar scripture. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says this, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. How many of you have read that scripture before? Amen. The, the hang-up there, the thing that we look at a lot of times when we look at that is we're like, it's the righteousness part because that's what everybody wants. We all want the righteousness of God, and that should be a very desirable thing, obviously. But here's, here's the thing about verse 6 is, is that those who hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. So don't think by chance. I mean, there's some things implied here that you might miss. He said, if you hunger and thirst, blessed are they which hunger and thirst. I mean, you'll be blessed if you do what? If you hunger and thirst. Well, I know what it says, but what is it not saying? Well, it's not saying that I could be doing the opposite. Well, that's exactly what it's implying. Meaning that I could be hungry for righteousness or I could not. The Bible says you'll be blessed if you hunger after righteousness. Hunger and thirst. I'm not, I don't want to cut it short. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, but where does it start? It starts with your hunger. And that's one of those scriptures I've said a thousand times, but not considered the hunger aspect of it and what I'm hungry for. 
in that it really re makes me rethink my spiritual diet. I heard this the other day, and I, I'm talking to everybody online too. I heard this the other day, and I'm listening to online, you know, I'm listening to ministers, and, and a lot of them have a lot of things to say, and they're fantastic, and they're great. Um, but here's the, here's the thing about listening to messages that just make us feel good. Uh, pastors talked about this many times. It's great to listen to messages that make us feel good. I have no problem with that. But when we're when you're in the kingdom, you're if you're really hearing messages that are good for you, a lot of times they don't make you feel good. Yeah, come on. A lot of times they hurt. And I would even say you you could say spiritually they upset your stomach because you're not used to eating that way. Does that make sense? Come on. It upsets your stomach. You ain't used to eating that diet. Ooh, that was a tough one. Good. And for, for anyone that, if you're out listening to the word, if you're getting or you want to garner more of the word, make sure the messages that you're listening to hurt you just a little bit. That challenge your thinking just a little bit. That don't allow you to go through life and just do whatever you want to do. Eat how you want to eat spiritually and everything is just going to be fantastic in the end. You're just going to go and you're going to be with the Lord. I beg to differ. If your hunger is in the wrong place, we're going to all find out in the end, when it's way too late, that we were wrong. Uh -huh. That we were wrong. So, I say that with a lot of conviction in my heart. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled with what? Righteousness. Why were you filled? Because you were hungry. And here's the, 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 the last question on this scripture. Is it possible to be filled with something else? Yes. Absolutely. But it'd be by your doing and not by God's. There's going to be something here that gets filled. But see, when this scripture talks about this, you will be filled with the correct thing. Right? You're going to be filled with righteousness. You're going to be filled with the things of God. You're going to be filled with those things. But there is a void, and there is a hunger, and it better be filled with the right stuff. Otherwise, we're going to, we're going to struggle. Okay. So, in last scripture, and then we'll close, Gospel of John, chapter 6. I'm sorry I spent too much time on the, the front scriptures. But I definitely want to, I want to get this last scripture out. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 6. Verse 35 says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes on me shall never thirst. What's? I mean, that's straight to the point, right? That's, that's straight to the point. He says, he said, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me will never hunger. And what, he, what he's talking about is that you were hungry before, and then you found him, and now that you have found him, the hunger is met. I mean, anybody that's, it, it, that's been saved knows that. You come to him, and you all of a sudden you feel this, this, uh, this void that's filled, and this need that's met, and all of a sudden you have everything that you need. And, he, and this, this confirms what it is that we, we experience at salvation. What I'm saying tonight is, is that 20 years, 30 years down the road, you still got to make sure you're hungry for the right stuff. Uh -huh. Amen. And we got to make sure that we're keeping our hunger in the right place and we're eating the right things. 
spiritually to make sure that we continue to grow in God. And he said, you'll never hunger again and you'll never thirst again. So what we have to do is examine ourselves as the Bible asks us to do and see where our hunger is at. And when you find it, I can promise you because everyone has a hunger. When you find it, find out what's filling it. Find out what's filling it. Find out if it's your job. Find out. Find out if it's if it's entertainment. Find out if it's if it's money. Find out what it is. Find out what's filling the, the, the hunger. I'm not saying that things will be like they were when you got saved. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that God has a work, and according to his word, he said, if I start something in you, I'm also going to finish it. He said, I will finish the work that I start in you. But in order for us to continue to, to prosper spiritually and to go forward with God, we've got to get the hunger right. And we've got to, we've got to make sure that we're hung, still hungry for God. I mean, I think, I think if we just start there, that's a big start. It's just saying, okay, I need to ask myself a very hard question. Tonight. Am I even hungry for God anymore? Do I even have hunger for him? Or do I just come to the church house and, and do I just kind of do these things because that's what's kind of required of me? And mom told me and grandma told me I'm supposed to be in church. And so I just go. And it's not about a relationship anymore. Let alone what we're even hungry for. So I leave you with that tonight. I want you to consider those things. And I hope that challenges you tonight. I hope those that are watching tonight, I hope that challenges you to consider where you're at. Think about where that hunger is at. Think about what you're feeding yourself. And if, and if things are not where they need to be spiritually, then you're probably going to have to go looking in different places. Man, I said it's so fundamental. It's so fundamental. We kind of we do the same stuff all the time. Same stuff. And I'm not I'm not talking, I'm not pointing fingers. This is me. We do the same thing all the time, and then we say, Well, I'm not happy with my spiritual life. I'm not happy with the way things are. Well, you might have to switch some things up a little bit. You may have to stop doing the same thing over and over again so you can stop getting the same result. So you can actually get to where you want to be. I always, you know, God is, is something that I struggle with. And I'm not gonna ever. I'm not gonna point at anyone. I struggle with at times the seasonal change. I was telling Kenny and Kenny out there, we were all agreeing that we like things predictable, and I think we're all kind of geared that way. But some more than others, and I like I like things that are predictable, and I kind of get in a rhythm of life, and I just kind of get up and I pray my prayer, and I go across my day, and I get a little bit of this, and I'll turn on the word and get a little bit of that, and and I go through. I'm like, oh, that was just a. It was a kind of a whirlwind of a day, and that was good and everything. And then I ask myself at the end, and I lay there in bed, and I wonder about the relationship that I have with him. And is it still healthy? Is it still, is it still fueled by a hunger to want to know him and to be close to him? Not because of what he can give me, not because of what he's done for, for me, but for who he is. Just for who he is. Not, no, no wish lists. No, what can you do for me? No asking. Let me ask a question. I'm going to end right here. Has God ever challenged you in your prayer life to literally? I mean, he's challenged me with this. Literally, in prayer, stop asking me for things and just talk to me. I've had him plead that with me. Stop asking 
talk to me. I want to get to know you. You think, well, he already knows me. He already knows me. Yes, he does already know you, but you know, do you know that he wants to talk to you? Do you know he wants to actually carry on a conversation with you and commune with you and commune with your heart? He wants that. All right, sometimes we get so quick into life and it's so rhetorical and we just kind of go across the same process. I challenge you tonight. I challenge myself. If you're, if you're not happy with your spiritual life, check your hunger. See what you're hungry for. Would you stand tonight? I don't, I don't, I don't believe there's anybody that, that, uh, that can't benefit uh, from pushing yourself to the next place, or for for exploring new things in God. I believe that everybody um, can take something from that and go and use it. So we're going to pray tonight, and for those that are, are watching online, we're going to we're going to pray. And uh, my my prayer tonight is is a very simple prayer. God, check our hunger, check us. Holy Spirit, check us. You know what I mean by check. I mean check us. Check my spirit. Check my hunger. And, and show me where I'm really at. Not just not forget the, forget the stuff that goes on in church. Forget position. Forget all of that stuff. Forget that I'm a teacher and I teach kids in class. Forget the fact that I help the church and I like to feed the poor. Forget all of that. I'm challenging you to check your relationship and check your hunger for the Father. Not just things to do, but for him. Father, but we come to you, Lord, and we, we, we humble, we humble ourselves. And Father God, from, from the deepest parts of my heart, I speak truth. God, I speak truth in my own life, and I speak truth for this congregation. Father, reveal to us, God, our spiritual condition and our spiritual hunger. Lord, I pray that it be revealed. I pray that it come to the forefront, God. And I pray, Lord, whatever the result is, whatever you show us, Father, I pray that we be, we be challenged by it. There's too much at stake, Father God, Lord, to, to be hungry for something other than you. And, Lord, I pray tonight, Father God, Lord, for, for this truth to hit us right in the heart. Thank you for tonight. I want to thank you for the ones that have gathered here tonight. I want to thank you for the ones that have, that have gathered online tonight, Lord. And, and thank you for, the, for just letting us have church tonight, Lord, and let us hear your word. I love you tonight, Father, and I pray this prayer for the ones that are struggling, Lord God, struggling with the relationship. Father God, I pray that they, they, they check their hunger and be charged in you, Lord, that they get a hold of the word and they put the word in them. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, Lord, that we, we, we stop trusting in our thinking and stop trusting in our ideas and we start trusting in the truth of God. Thank you for this tonight, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. God bless you tonight. I had a lot of fun tonight. I wish, wish there would have been more people here, but I know everybody's still trying to get in rhythm, still trying to get everything back uh, in order again, and that's perfectly fine. Pastor, do we have any announcements before we dismiss? Uh, singing Sunday night. Singing Sunday night? Okay. Be preparing for that. If no others, glad everybody could be here. Glad you guys could join us online. God bless you. And let us, uh, go ahead, Pastor. Just ask everybody to be praying for the families and the parents that lost all the kids. That's tough. Yeah, absolutely. They got a hard run to hold, so let's lift them up. Four boys hit by a, a vehicle in Durant and in dismissal. Let's, let's pray about this. 
Father, we just we want to hold these families up, Father, as we dismiss tonight. Father, we hold these families up, Lord, and we ask you to touch them, Lord, and I pray for comfort. Father God, we pray for comfort and peace. Father, I pray that you would touch these families, Lord, and just lead them and guide them through this tough, tough and difficult time, Lord. I pray, God, that you touch the hearts of each mom and dad involved in these situations, Lord. Father, we cannot imagine, we cannot imagine the grief, Father God, that these have endured, Lord, and I just pray for each one of them, Lord. Hold them up, strengthen them, and I pray that you guide them through this time, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. God bless you guys tonight. Thank you. Thank you.